0: When I uh, I became a Christian, when um, uh, I was in my late teens, and I, it was completely a new thing to me. I didn't have any any background or really any knowledge, and uh, had no idea really about it. Uh, and I remember even being naturally a very sceptical person. I can remember that gradual sense that dawned on me that God was actually real. And it was something that I could never really explain to something because, to anyone, because what happens is that we gradually feel something awakening in us it's a different way of knowing. I mean when we interact with the world around us we 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 get habituated to knowing things in a certain way and and but to know God requires a different way of knowing, and i I remember feeling this awakening within me, having this sense of I just knew that God was there. And in many ways, uh, I guess our world can almost... Um, condition us not to really recognize that, you know, because we like tangible knowledge, you know, stuff that we can grasp and take hold of, and uh, that is stuff that we can control. And, and I'm going to talk, talk, you know, I'll talk a bit about the God complex. You know, we like to know stuff and grasp stuff, so we're not very good at, 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 at a diff, you know, a different kind of knowledge where we actually feel that we are the ones being grasped, and that was, was what the experience. Uh, was like it was like God had taken hold of me, and I know that many of you will know that uh, it, you know that experience, and I really felt in the process it was almost like God wore me down, not in a negative sense, but the love of God was pursuing me and wanting me to turn back to him and uh, I can re- remember the moment when I really just felt so compelled to give way to God, you know, to just surrender to God, because I realised that I wasn't very good at playing God of my own life. And this is the, you know, one of the, the big problems uh, with us is, is that we have this tendency as human beings, it's almost like an addiction, to play God over our own lives, and even maybe to play God over other people's lives. And as a result, we mess up our own lives, we can mess up other people's lives, and pretty much that's kind of world history. It's people trying to play God and messing up the world uh, as a result. And so we end up in this really, uh, this really kind of sorry condition when we do that. But I realised, uh, and, and I, I realised this, and I remember feeling completely compelled uh, just to give surrender my, my life over to God. And as, um, as this was happening, my conscience was kind of being awakened as well. I realised that... I was I was not in the right I was not in the right space you know I was not that there, there, there was there was this real tension within me and and I realised that everything wasn't really right in my, that I just knew that there was that there was this conflict within me and it was a bit of a wrestle and and I'm very thankful to this day that God won that wrestle um, I remember the moment when I recognised that actually I needed forgiveness. Uh, I needed to be reconciled with God and I finally understood what the whole Jesus thing about because I never understood what that was all about. I understood finally that Jesus was God come to us to suffer and die on a cross to pay for our guilt in our place, the guilt of our rebellion against God, the guilt of us trying to play God in the place of God and messing our own lives and messing other people's lives. It's just not a right to do that because we belong to God. We always belong to God. And God created us for a purpose. And when we turn away from that, we try to play God's of our own lives and over other people's lives. We live in defiance of God. And I remember, I remember, coming to own that and recognise that and recognising some of the damage that I was doing in the lives of others and just, you know, like... And I remember that moment when I surrendered my life and, and I said yes to Jesus for the first time, and it was the whole process, and it wasn 't just one moment, but the whole process was this kind of spiritual awakening. It was like the lights were coming on there's a, a verse in one of the letters in the New Testament in second uh, in Corinthians chapter five, and it says, "When anyone becomes a Christian, they become a new creation, the old is gone, and the new uh, has come and there was there was this real sense that I I just felt like a completely different person because suddenly I recognised who I was. I'm a child of God. I realised that life actually has a purpose because it was really, I found it really daunting to face a whole life ahead of me, you know, in in this kind of chaotic world and what am I going to do with my life and what am I going to be And, and what sort of life am I going to have and feeling the weight of that responsibility on my shoulders and kind of freaking out thinking, oh man, I've got to make my way through life somehow, you know. It was a wonderful sense of peace that I had, knowing that actually my life belonged to God, and God has a purpose for my life, and I've just got to walk in that purpose. And I can, it was just this complete change of perspective. It's like the lights came on inside me, the lights came on, uh, you know, around me. And and I, uh, it was, uh, it was an amazing moment of, um, as I said, of spiritual awakening. One of the things though that then happened and and I think perhaps in the midst of all of that, because the change was so wonderful, I think part of me expected that everything from here was just going to be really plain sailing, that I was going to become this angelic creature, you know, that was this pure angelic creature that was just going to float through life, you know, because I I felt... I felt so awakened and so convicted and so passionate, you know, about, about this truth that I had discovered. But as I walked on from there, I realised that even though so much about me had changed, yet there was still so much about me that was still the same. And facing that was very difficult because I remember the passion that I had for this newfound truth on the one hand, but on the other, my inability to really live up to that. And in some ways, in some ways, things even got a bit worse. I made bigger mistakes as a Christian than I did as a non-Christian. Now, admittedly, I did, I was previously, because I was in boarding school, and boarding school is approximately like a prison. It was a great boarding school, but it was prison ish. So we couldn't really get up to that much much mischief anyway. Mind you, we gave it a red hot go, but we couldn't get up to that much mischief. But even with my newfound freedom in both senses, even with my newfound spiritual freedom, uh, I can remember just being blown to and fro, like, you know, and I remember. In a sense, all the worst in me coming to the surface in different situations. And even though I was passionate and and the, the, the litany of failures, like one failure after another, led me to this place where actually I can remember this very well, feeling like I had completely messed up my chance. God had given me all of this one. God had forgiven me and he'd given me this new chance and this new lease of life but I had taken that and completely shipwrecked it and I felt that I was finished. And I wonder if you've ever felt like that. I wonder if you've ever felt like it's just too many times I've failed too much. I've, you know, I've got it too wrong. I've, uh, you may have experienced that and you feel... Like, surely God doesn't still accept me. Surely I've gone too far. Surely I've done that too many times. I've failed too dismally and I can't just front up to God. And so we kind of skulk away and kind of hide in the darkness. And when, when you sort of skulk in the darkness, then all sorts of lies take hold of you in that place and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And there was something really important that I needed to realise that I'm going to talk to you uh, tonight, a little bit uh, about. That was just my intro. But I think you will agree that was a good intro. <laughs> no, really, I, this, is, this was a very, very important realize, realization uh, for me. I realized as I went on, and this is something that I learned that really changed a lot for me and actually is still changing. What I'm going to share with you tonight has still, to this day, makes a very big difference with how I process things, how I process and how I understand the way that God works uh, in my life. There are two aspects to what God does in our life. And I'm going to talk about, I'm going to use similar words just to highlight, just to make this memorable and highlight two very important aspects that we need to distinguish. Um, about how what God does in our lives. He changes our position and our condition. Uh, what I mean by, when I say he changes our position, is God sets about changing our relationship with him, our position in terms of our status, our kind of spiritual status. And and once he changes our position, then he sets about changing our condition. Now here's why this is important, because a lot of people think that they have to change their condition in order to attain a change of position or status with God. God will accept me when I am good enough. And even, you know, even very mature Christians can get this wrong. God will accept me and, and I'll I'll have this status if I can get my condition and feel like you know I'm doing well and but actually it's really important that we recognize it is impossible to undergo any meaningful change of condition of our spiritual condition unless we first change our position. There's uh, A very famous verse in Romans chapter eight, verse one, and I'm gonna read it to you and I encourage you to memorize this verse and never forget it because you need to say this to yourself a lot in your life. It goes like this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. This is how it works, and let me picture it like this. There's a sense in which Jesus stands at a door, that he, the doorway to God, as it were, the doorway to, sort of, let's picture it as the household of God. And Jesus has opened that door for everyone and anyone who wants to come. He's opened that door because he paid for our guilt so that we could be embraced by God. He paid for our guilt to allow anyone and anyone to come and find forgiveness and reconciliation with God. And so this change of position, the opportunity for us to change our spiritual position is a gift. It's a a gift, And he calls us, then he stands at the door and he calls us to come in. And when we step in, it's like we step into a grace zone. It's the zone of grace, the zone of God's grace. Now grace, the definition of grace, grace is undeserved or unmerited or unearned favour and acceptance of God. That's grace. Now, Here's the important bit. Because we didn't earn that change of position, because we didn't merit that change of position, it's a gift, we're given access to it. We therefore cannot unearn it. We therefore cannot unmerit that position. So when we step into that grace zone, and this was my experience, I stepped into a grace zone, I received that forgiveness of God and, and I stepped into that zone, but I, the mistake and the thing that I didn't realise is that whenever I failed and whenever I fell and whenever I got it wrong, when I was falling over, I was always falling in the grace zone. I was never falling out of the grace zone because <laughs> you can't fall out of the grace zone because you didn't get in by your achievements and you can't fall out because of your failures as long as you are willing to let God be God as long as you are willing to dwell in that grace zone and the word that we described the word that describes us being willing to dwell in that zone is the word faith faith is us letting God be God and giving ourselves over to God as long as we're willing to dwell in that grace zone then everything is right Between us and God, even though things are not kind of a mess in our actual condition, even though things are still really messed up inside us, yet because we've stepped into the gray zone, everything is right between us and God. God wants, God has us exactly where He wants us and exactly where He is then going to begin a process of transformation. You cannot change your condition until you put your life into the grace zone. That's where the transformation happens. And when you put your life into that grace space, that was an accidental rhyme, but if you put your life into that grace space, then you are completely secure in that position. That's pretty good news. And it's very important that we we remember that, that we're secure in that space. Now, what happens then is that then God starts to work in our life. And it's very important as that happens, we need to understand that because we're in the great space, we are right where God wants us. We are right with God or another biblical word is righteous. If I ask you the question, how can we become righteous? The average person would say, well, you've got to be really good and you've got to do all this stuff and you've got to deal with your condition. No. We become righteous when we are made right with God, when we're put in the right position in relation to God. And that is simply to walk through the door and enter the grace space. And anyone and everyone can live in the gray space. In fact, do not live anywhere else than in the gray space. You must live your life in the gray space, because that's where your life belongs. But understand this: that as I, as much as I pictured Jesus standing in that door and inviting anyone and everyone to come in, He also says, "Oh, and by the way, just know when you come, that when you step into this gray space." absolutely everything's gonna change. Your life is going to change. Now, some people don't really wanna change. Some people don't wanna give that much sovereignty to God. (laughs) And so they therefore don't come. But that's what faith is. Faith is letting God be your God. That's what faith is. Let God be God. Let God make you into what he wants you to be. And so if we're willing to do that and we're willing to step into that grey space, we will then undergo a gradual change of condition and that will, you will spend the rest of your life undergoing a process of transformation. You know, I often say living things grow. How do you know you're spiritually alive? Because you are changing and changing and changing. That's what spiritual life does. It transforms your life and you grow and you grow and you grow. In many ways, it's, and and by the way, we don't do this in isolation. We do this together. This is what the church is. The church is a community, a transformational community. We're all about growing and changing and being transformed together. In that sense, the church is a bit like a hospital. It's like a spiritual hospital. I was in hospital recently in December. I spent a little bit of time in hospital and I can remember coming out of the operation that I had and as I woke up, I sort of saw out of the corner this girl standing beside uh, m- my bed, and, and I thought, what is this guy? I mean, she looked like she was about like 14 years old. Like, what is this kid doing standing by? My- and she said, Oh, hi, uh, I'm the nurse that's going to be looking after you. And I thought, You've got to be joking, you're like 14. You know, anyway, she's probably mid 20s. But this is what happens when you get older, is that because, <laughs> you know, last time I was in a hospital, it was like maybe 15 years ago. So, You know, suddenly there are these kids looking after us. Like, what are you doing here? Anyway, uh, you know, on on another occasion, you know, I woke up and and the the whole room was full of these kids, like all dressed up, like you know, um, like medical staff. And uh, and the doctor was there, and he said, "Oh, we've just got interns, you know, from the uni. They're they're all at uni. Do you mind if we check you out?" And I, you know, I thought, "Well, I, yeah." I really do mind, right? And I'm holding the sheet up here, right? Because all of my wounds, well, let's not go into details, right? But all of my wounds being what they are in in places that I don't really, you know, like use your imagination, but like... (laughs) I'm holding the sheet up there, right? Because I'm thinking, there's no, I'm just, you know, what am I, some kind of cadaver that these people are just gonna stand around and poke me and look And this? Uh, just, it was um, really weird experience. But you know, like, the thing is, if I wasn't in a hospital, let's just admit that would have been a really, really weird experience, wouldn't it, if I wasn't in a hospital? But because I was in a hospital, the expectation is, is that that's what you do in a hospital, right? You've got to be, you know, you've got to be prepared to be a bit vulnerable and and they just expect people are going to be here with wounds and we're going to, you know, we're going to pull back the sheets and look at the wounds and prod and poke and pull out tubes and, and stitch you up and do all of these really messy sort of things. Because you're in a hospital, that's what a hospital's for, right? And Church as a spiritual hospital is a little bit like that, but not exactly like that. I mean, don't take this illustration too far. But you know, sometimes I think what we do in this spiritual hospital is we hold the sheets up to our neck because we don't want anyone to know that we've got wounds. But we're in a hospital, folks. We're in a hospital. What do you even? What do you think we're even doing here? We're in a hospital because we're getting better. We're we're being transformed. God is dealing with our spiritual condition. We are undergoing a process of healing continually and we're all in it together, right? So we just need to be a little bit vulnerable with one another. Often, People think when they're going through something or struggling with some behaviour that they just can't, you know, they just can't get out of or, or there's some struggle in the family or in a relationship and they're holding the sheets up thinking, oh, no one else, you know, I'm just so terrible because everyone else in the church is, is just going really well and I'm the only one that deals with that and little do they know, I mean, I know because I'm a pastor, so you know a lot when you're a pastor about what's going on in people's lives. Um... I know that that's not the case, but it's amazing how we fool ourselves thinking, oh, I'm, the, I'm such a failure and I'm bad and I'm a bad parent and my family, I'm such, it's just like we beat ourselves up and we're holding the sheet up because we think that no one else is going through this. But I wanna tell you today, we're all, every, we're all going through it, right? Because it's a hospital. Everyone's got wounds. Let's not be surprised by that. And I think we could do with being a little more transparent with each other. It was interesting i, I um, sometimes I pick up poppy uh, Spicer and, and um the great thing about Poppy on the, on the, the short journey, you know, 10-minute journey from series uh, to here with Poppy in the back, she confesses all of the sins of the Spicer household, just lets it all out. Mum and Dad were down and Mum was going absolutely mental and then she just, she actually, it's fa- I can't even speak as fast as her because you, you can't even really get a word in, but she confesses all of the sins. It's good actually because it's a good way of me uh, just, you know, keeping an eye on my staff, you know. But anyway, uh, you know, um, but I just thought, isn't that just great, you know? And I was actually, to be honest, I was actually a bit encouraged, Robbie. Like, I was like, oh, right, you, the, <laughs> the spice household, go through that too, because it's also a bit mental in our household. But you see, we actually, we, you know, we just, we need to be willing actually to, and this is, the Bible puts it this way, it says, confess your sins to one another. Like, let's just admit, let's share the journey, folks, don't. If everyone's going it alone and everyone's trying to keep the issues in the darkness, we're not gonna get better that way. It's through mutual accountability and and sharing this process of transformation together. That's what this church thing is all about. And then we can encourage one another and we can realise, oh, it's not that I'm just a really, really bad Christian and I'm rejected or... Because here's the thing doesn't matter how many times you fall and fail and stumble and fall, and this is what we continually need to remind each other of, when we stumble and fall, we stumble and fall in the house, in the grace zone. And in that grace zone, there is never any condemnation. There is only the compassion of God who says, all right, my boy, all right, my girl, you get back up now. What did we learn do better next time. That's living in the grace zone. Because sometimes God brings things to the surface. Sometimes sometimes things have to actually get worse before they get better. But you see, it's safe now for that to happen. When God does that, you can know that that's happening while you're in the grace zone. So if you feel like you're flat on your face and and, and you've given your life to Jesus but you've fallen flat on your face and you feel like an abject failure, guess what? I got good news for you. You may be flat on your face but you're flat on your face in the grace zone. So get up and keep going and try again. And if you've come here tonight and you think, I just don't feel like I'm good enough for God or, or, or I just, you know, I, I, I need to change or something needs to happen before I could, no, I just wanna really encourage you tonight, walk through the door. Walk through the door, accept Jesus' invitation and step in to the grace zone and let God make something out of your life that you could never Ever have imagined if we don 't give our lives to God, we waste our lives so welcome to spiritual hospital let 's get this healing underway let 's encourage one another let 's be what God has called us to be why don 't we stand together uh, tonight as the music team uh, comes up we 're going to we 're going to use the symbols that Jesus gave us to use because Jesus knew that this was going to be kind of hard to understand. And so he gave us physical symbols to use to be able to say yes to him. And these symbols are symbols of the sacrifice of Jesus for our guilt, to deal with our guilt, so that we could be forgiven once and for all. And what this provides, the sacrifice of Jesus provides. A unceasing source, an inexhaustible source of grace and forgiveness for us. It never runs out. As long as we're willing to say yes to Jesus again, then we can receive forgiveness, we can stand up and keep walking with God. So I invite you... uh, To take the cup that represents the shed blood of Jesus and the bread that represents the broken body of Jesus and to take these symbols and to eat and drink as a way of saying yes, as a way of receiving the gift of forgiveness, of the gift of being made right, of righteousness, the gift of being given access to the grace zone. If you're willing to do this tonight and and maybe you're here tonight and you're still exploring faith and you're still not sure, that's absolutely fine. There's no pressure on anyone tonight. Uh, No pressure at all. But if you feel like you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I encourage you to come on up, take the bread and the cup. You can find yourself some space, go back to your seats and pray and say yes to Jesus and then eat and drink to symbolise that. So why don't we do that together tonight?